there's a quietness, I think, and a, and a deliberateness to to sort of the writing life. And so that in some ways seems at odds with, you know, leading an organization. But I guess that's the kind of beautiful thing is that maybe what organization leadership needs is more of that quiet, deliberate spirit. Welcome to Artist as Leader, where we explore the intersection of creativity and leadership. I'm Rob Kramer, founder and CEO of Kramer Leadership. And I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast. In this episode, we bring you our producer, Pierre Carlo's interview with Susanna Feltz and Katie McDougall. They're the co-founders of the Porch Writers Collective, located in Nashville, Tennessee. So Pierre Carlo, you met them both when you were living in Nashville, is that right? Yeah, as, as you know, I lived in Nashville from 2016 to 2018, and uh, I was new to town. And as you do when you're in a new place, you try to find your community. And so uh, and I wanted to pay attention to my own writing. So I looked online and I found this organization called The Porch, which at the time was only two years old. So I signed up for a class. It was creative nonfiction taught by Susanna, uh, who's a great teacher. And later I took a fiction writing class with Katie, also an amazing teacher. They're both novelists. And I was amazed that in two years, this organization had become already such an institution in the city and such a hub to the community. Uh, At the time, even they were uh, offering free workshops for refugees and immigrants and even a program to help college applicants with their college essays. And it was clear to me, even as a newcomer to the city, that these two women who at the time would have been hard-pressed to describe themselves as leaders, were definitely leading something important in the city. Mm. It felt like a great honor to watch them work so hard to shepherd this organization out of its infancy and into the next stage of the um, organization. It's toddlerhood, I guess you call it, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is uh, why I was really eager to catch up with them now because the Porsche is celebrating its sixth year. That's great. Suzanne and Katie spoke to me from their respective homes in Nashville, and I started by asking them if they now feel comfortable describing themselves as leaders. Um, This is Susanna. You know, (laughs) it's really funny when I started thinking about uh, the actual task of preparing for this podcast, uh, I kind of laughed because I thought, wait a second, like he's talking to us about being leaders. (laughs) Um, I, I guess I am that. Um, and, and yes, I say that a little facetiously because there's a large part of me that does recognize uh, that I am, I, you know, have taken on that role. I think that when the porch, when we were beginning the porch, um, at, you know, in 2014, I certainly didn't have an idea of myself as that kind of person. Uh, if you had asked me then, I probably would have said, no, I'm not really a leader type. Um, and so I think that, uh, that the, the, the journey of starting and maintaining and growing this organization has required me to shift my thinking about who I am and what I'm doing and how I, how I want to try to do it better and how I want to, you know, rise to the uh, occasion of, um, you know, being, you know, showing up for the thing that I've created. This is Katie. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think I, I think the word leader isn't one that pops into my head naturally when I define what I do. Um, and yet, 
you know, it, it happens in our lives that people will thank us for what we have done. And, and usually in those moments, I'm, I'm, I'm a sort of surprised, like, oh, yeah, this is this cool thing that we um, that started as an idea and now is a um, sort of vibrant thing in, in our community. Uh, prior to this, I had been a school teacher. And so, yes, I, I was a leader of teens for 45 minute sessions. Um, but as far as building something from scratch and watching it grow, which is a different sort of leadership, um, I, I don't think I've been accustomed to thinking of myself in that way. Well, you teed this up perfectly, which is, I would love for you to tell me what the inception story of the porch is, how you met and how you decided to come up with this idea. Uh, this is Susanna. So, um, way back in, uh, 2000, well, I, I had been working, let me just say as a, um, as a freelance writer and as a college adjunct instructor, um, for a number of years with a brief, uh, foray into full-time editing work for a couple of years, kind of in between. And, uh, when I moved back to Nashville, which is my hometown in 2009, I kind of picked up, I had been working as an editor when, for a few years and I picked up, uh, picked back up with the freelancing and the college teaching. And right around that time, I kind of knew that I wanted to start teaching creative writing classes in the community, kind of being sort of a, an independent operator, if you will. And, uh, and so I was doing that kind of for, for a few years, strictly on my own, uh, and uh, ended up in a writing group with Katie and a couple of other people. And around that time, you know, the, the classes I was teaching kind of on my own, I was doing them at coffee shops and at my house. And I was kind of thinking, you know, what is this? This is going well. Maybe this could be something bigger. Um, uh, kind of simultaneously, I was, I realized that the college teaching position I was in was not fulfilling and was probably not, uh, was kind of a dead end. Uh, so I was kind of trying to figure out what, how I could parlay what I was doing into something bigger. And I knew that there were these things that were known as literary centers in other cities, um, organizations where classes were taught and readings were held and, uh, you know, that, that kind of were, were community hubs for people who were interested in writing. And so I started kind of research, researching those and learning more about them and kind of had a moment where I was like, wow, this is something we could, we could build in Nashville. You know, this week that we could use something like this here. We don't have anything like this here. And I started talking the idea up to Katie and to our other folks in the writing group. And everybody was interested and kind of puzzled like, oh, okay. Um, Katie, I think, was in the perfect place to uh, to make a transition. I'll let her tell that part of the story for herself. But we joined forces then. And um, the rest is is kind of porch history, kind of getting it off the ground and learning how to be, learning how to how to run a nonprofit. This is Katie. Um, so ironically, my story sort of begins on my 40th birthday, which I say ironically because just uh, last week or so I had my 50th birthday. But um, happy birthday! Well, thank you. Um, so on that that birthday, I was teaching at this uh, high school here in Nashville, and I. Um, kind of taken a day off from life and was doing what I think of as a sort of midlife revision session, which uh, involved a lot of free writing, which, uh, you know, journaling 
as writers, we as a fallback for thinking. And uh, the question is, you know, if I wasn't doing this, what would I be doing? And I, I wrote out this just sort of dream job that involved still teaching, but teaching writing classes in the community, being around writers, putting the writing part of my life, uh, the front burner, um, maybe creating experiences, uh, writing retreats in beautiful places. And, uh, and so I actually got excited enough about that idea that I, that I made it my goal to quit my job and gave myself a year and a half to do so and then try to launch whatever that life would be. And, um, uh, it didn't happen exactly like that in those first few years. I had a lot of sort of failed, uh, you know, false starts. And then, uh, and then I joined that writing group. Um, and then Susanna, uh, invited me to be part of this. And I said, well, you know, I've been wanting to try to get out of teaching. So, um, yeah. And then that night, like after we had this conversation and I was fairly casual about it there, my brain just sort of exploded with, wait a second, this is exactly what I had kind of dreamed of in that midlife revision session. And uh, really from that point forward, I've just been uh, so excited about about building this, this ship that, that we're, um, that now is afloat. Okay. Can you each of you talk about what you think your particular skill set is in this enterprise? Sure. Um, so this is Susanna. Uh, I think that I bring kind of a natural curiosity, a sort of insatiable curiosity to to the picture first and foremost. Um, I'm always kind of eagerly l- wanting to learn new things or wanting to kind of find out what the newest latest thing is or sort of and see how we can apply that or it's just sort of a general generalized curiosity it doesn't always take me super into super deep dives but maybe deep enough um i have a good radar i think for things that matter to me um and i have a i think i have a pretty sort of solid intuitive part of me if that if that sounds kind of woo woo but there is a <laughs> There is sort of an element of woo-woo to to how to all of this to me, I think. Um, I I have, you know, from years of doing freelance writing and editing, I am good at that side of things. So I can kind of spin thing, you know, kind of spin together copy, um, sort of know how to market and promote things. I, I feel like I can always improve on that. There's people that do it much better than I do or that do it for, you know, absolutely full time that I still feel like I can learn from. But, you know, I'd been in that world of assigning stories and being assigned stories and having to ferret out sources and having to think about how text goes with image or, you know, what kind of art you're going to provide with a given story or how you're going to tell that story, um, what the angle is, all of that, that can sort of translate to some of the work that we need to do. Um, And then I just think that I know I know the literary scene really well. I mean, I, I, I feel like writers, um, you know, I feel like a lot of my, what I know is pretty useless to 99.9% of the people (laughs) out there. It's like most people would be like, well, that's really pointless information, but it like, this is kind of the only way I could use it. (laughs) So, 
yeah, it's just uh, my my interests will serve me well. Katie, tell us about your what um, you think your set is. Goodness, well, um, you know, it's interesting because I think uh, when we first started, we both kind of just did a lot of everything, and and the process of our finding our our swim lanes has been really organic. Um, and so I agree entirely with everything Susanna said. Um, I feel like she has kind of the design sensibility. Um, and sometimes that's literally like graphic design, but also just, um, you know, how we want to put ourselves out there in a forward facing way, um, what words we use, what images. Um, I think some of my skills may have come from all the years um, in the classroom. I, uh, you know, one of the hats I wear is trying to um, put together a strong board and then make sure that those board meetings uh, feel like time um, well spent. And so orchestrating relationships, um, you know, meeting people, which actually I think we're both we both share that that skill, but um, uh, I would not say that fundraising is a skill of mine, but I have learned that we have to do it. And so um, there's some part of me that just like is okay with sending out these emails that are a little bit cringy and painful and, hey, do you want to give us $5,000 and we'll put your logo on our invitation? <laughs> We're in the thick of that uh, right now. Um so, you know, I've also learned a lot of skills that I didn't think I had um, just in terms of accounting and uh, nonprofit management. Um, you know, even I joke that I didn't had never used a spreadsheet before we started this. Um, <laughs> now, right. you know, so um, there's been a, a learning curve, but uh, I do think that um, we have fallen organically into our roles. So if you think back on your, you, Katie, you already talked a little bit about your teaching experience feeding into your current skill set, but thinking of yourselves as artists, as writers, and your training and how you learn to be writers, what about that training you think has really shaped the way you lead in the world, lead the porch and lead in the world? Um, this is Susanna. So that's a great question. And it's that's kind of I've been thinking about that for the last week or so, um, because, you know, we started off by saying, well, we didn't really see ourselves as leaders or, you know, it's just kind of, we've had to grow into that role. But I think I, and, and you know, I'm curious to hear what Katie has to say, but I, I feel like my, my life as a writer and the way writing guides, the way my brain works as a, as a writer, somebody who's always just kind trying to think things through very carefully, trying to figure out how people, how a character's mind might work, what their motivations might be, or just observing the world very carefully, paying a lot of attention to things and thinking about how I pay attention to things. Um, all of that, I think, in some way gets translated to the way we run the porch so that, you know, we're always, I'm always keeping in mind um, that I'm working with writers and I'm trying to share information with people that love the the craft and the art of writing. Uh, it's, you know, there's a quietness, I think, and a, and a deliberateness to, to sort of the writing life. And so that 
in some ways seems at odds with, you know, leading an organization. But I guess that's the kind of beautiful thing is that maybe what organization leadership needs is more of that quiet, deliberate spirit that's, uh, that, you know, is, is kind of really looking at things at the fine detail level and thinking about, you know, and, and keeping people's feelings in mind. I don't know, really trying to just look at the world as a writer and, and make use of that in some way. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well said. This is Katie. Well said. Um, I too have been thinking about this and thinking about my background as an artist and my time as an artist. And one thing I really uh, have come to realize is that teaching, writing fiction, and leading all are... uh, they're really similar in the sense that at the at the root of all of them is empathy. Um, when I am writing fiction, not only am I empathizing with characters who uh, don't really exist except for my imagination, but I'm also empathizing with the reader and what the reader's experience is going to be. When I'm teaching, I'm not only teaching the content, but I'm also trying to figure out what, what the student is what their experience is. And as leader, um, we're not just building this thing. We're trying to think about what our community wants um, and what they'll respond to and, and what, you know, what is the, what is the, the perfect thing within our narrative arc uh, at this moment? So I really think um, all of those uh, blend together and, and kind of the connecting cord is, is empathy. Hmm. And also, I imagine imagination because you were, Katie, you were telling us that uh, when you were first thinking about your life transition, you, that sounds bad. My life revision. <laughs> life revision. Thank you. Um, that you were doing a lot of writing, you were doing a lot of imagining. So there's, I think, I'm thinking also that the imagination of writers gives you a different palette or range to dream up what might happen in your real life, maybe. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, and I think there is um, an aspect of happy accidents that that wouldn't happen if you weren't digging in and and letting the imagination kind of go crazy. Um, And there are also some wrong turns and um, dead ends along the way, too. I wanted to kind of second everything Katie said, because that was beautiful. Um, so true. And I was actually, as she was talking, I was thinking kind of on the more nuts and bolts um, level of like, if you're a writer, you know, say you're a freelance writer or, you know, fiction writer, whatever you really are, you're having to kind of keep track of, you know, nobody's, nobody's watching over you. Nobody's kind of telling you what to do necessarily. You, if you're going to get, make the money or you're going to get the book written, you have to motivate yourself to do it, you know, and you just have to really be your own boss. And so I guess in some ways it's like, yeah, I mean, that does translate well to being a leader and kind of saying, okay, like I, I've got the, the gumption to get things done, you know, regardless of, you know, in the case of writing fiction, regardless of knowing whether it's going to pay off in any way or not, you know, you're just going to do it because you are determined to do it. So I think some of that actually, um, that life of the writer, uh, that translates well to, to leading. 
Could each of you talk about a moment in which you felt you excelled as a leader? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been gradually. Well, there's always the the class. There's the classroom situation where I think on a cons, on a on a regular basis, I feel like a leader, and I feel like I'm leadering in terms of mentorship, in terms of helping young writers or, or writers who are just kind of beginning their path, you know, and kind of really getting serious about the craft, helping them deepen their understanding of what a writing process, writing practices, what, you know, sort of deepening their sense of how to cultivate creativity. I feel like I've had a lot of moments that felt very um, uh, fulfilling. You know, I've, I've mentored a few a few writers one-on-one and I've really seen them develop work and publish work. And that's been really satisfying. And and ultimately I think that's the work that matters the most to me, but I also, um, you know, kind of uh, to the point of, to Katie's point about developing skills that we didn't necessarily have or know that we had when we started this, um, you know, I've kind of been at the helm of organizing public events uh, that, you know, involve, coordinating a number of different people, making sure they're all there when they're supposed to be and that the, that the show goes on as it should. And um, that's certainly something that I had zero experience with um, starting out. So I feel like I've, I feel like that's been, that's been something where I've grown and I've realized, okay, I can do this and um, and I can continue to get better at doing this, I guess. Mm -hmm. Katie. Okay. Um, yeah, I was sort of stumped on uh, trying to, to to think of a single moment because I feel like there have been so many um, fantastic moments in the last mm-hmm. six years. Um, but, uh, you know, I, to echo Susanna, the classroom to me is the heart and soul of it all. And, and it happens really so regularly that I am sitting in this, you know, we have the square table uh, at the porch. Um, in communion and and community with uh, adults from different backgrounds who are there because they love to put words on a page. Um, And, and I am there to help them do it. And so that has really been probably just an accumulation of fulfilling moments. Um, But then on a very different, uh, if I had to, you know, if I had to pinpoint a sort of moment where I felt like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a thing. We, we have arrived in the literary arts nonprofit world of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, that very first fundraiser we had, um, which was mid midway into our second year, pretty much, or at the beginning of our second year. And we, we got Tim O'Brien, the author, um, and Tim O'Brien, the bluegrass musician, in an event called <laughs> Tale of Two Tims. And, uh, you know, when the idea came up, we were like, ha that's funny. Um, you know, it, but then we made it happen. And wow. we, filled a, we filled a barn of people and uh, put on this, this show that, that no one there, I mean, it was bizarre. Tim O'Brien, the author, did this whole magic uh, <laughs> sequence. Um, and then he and he and the other Tim sort of did this like almost cool, oh, it wasn't a duet, but um, 
but Tim O'Brien, the musician, played to Tim O'Brien as he read. I mean, it was just really powerful. Uh, not very many dry eyes in the room. And uh, and standing up before the crowd that night and introducing the evening was just very much. And I'm sure I didn't sleep a wink that night because it was like, whoa, this is cool. Oh. And, and, you know, and that was, we're now coming up on our, oh, is this our sixth um, fundraiser? in April and, uh, and now it's, you know, it's become a yearly thing. And so, uh, that has been kind of, I guess, yeah, that's been a moment each year. Is there anything since you, uh, you thought a little bit about this interview, is there anything you think I haven't asked that you were prepared to answer? I want to say when you said you mentioned imagination kind of as a, as a leadership skill that comes naturally from writing. And that was spot on. I mean, I think that's just, yeah, being able to kind of say, what if, and just the, the life of a person who spends their, spends an inordinate amount of time, like constantly dreaming up in, you know, imaginary scenarios. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that does serve you well and, and mm-hmm. starting something new and being an entrepreneur, which is like, what a weird word to apply mm-hmm. myself. I remember when Katie and I, we had this, you know, moment, you know, I don't know, it was maybe a couple of years in, we were like, wow, are we entrepreneurs? Like, <laughs> yeah. I love talking to them and I continue to find them inspiring, but I'm curious, Rob, what, what did you hear about how these two women lead? Well, they're great, obviously. And, and, uh, really uh, forging some new ground in what they're doing in Nashville. And, you know, the first thing that jumped out to me is something that we're hearing Pierre Carlo regularly in these interviews is um, these, these artists don't see themselves as leaders, you know? Right. And it's just a, a common, they were straight up with it. I don't think of myself as leader. How am I going to respond to this podcast? And, and I, I think usually those that we find to be the, the best leaders, the ones that aren't necessarily labeling themselves that way, they're just doing it. And, um, so that really jumped at me right from the start. And, and then the next big thing that, that I kept hearing was this idea that they kind of surprised themselves, uh, seeing themselves as being entrepreneurial. Um, right. but, but, you know, clearly they talk about having a vision, about seeing an opportunity, you know, filling a gap, uh, as well as kind of something that was personally meaningful to them. Is that, is that the sense you got? When you talk to them? Yeah, absolutely. They they took some time to figure out what their passions were and kind of married it with what they perceived as the needs of the community and kind of found this great marriage and also found an amazing way to play off of each other's skill set. Yeah. They were really combining it sounded to me like combining their interests and experience with their their vision. And also I admire them because I'll tell you, it's a little anecdote. When um, the first time I went to the Southern Festival of Books in downtown Nashville, I ran into uh, Susanna, who was manning the booth of the porch. And this was clearly, she clearly had, I caught her in an unexpected moment or an unprepared <laughs> moment when it was the face of an introvert uh. who was in between having to be social. <laughs> so these are both novelists who are accustomed to working alone, who... Um, have really had to step into these new shoes of being extroverts and fundraisers and uh, community organizers. And I just love how they've stepped up to the challenge. Yeah, well, that actually speaks to something that also really caught my attention as they were talking about, because they're writers, um, the importance of quietness with leadership and empathy Mm. 
and that they, we need more leaders to be, as they said, um, that it's more about being quiet and deliberate of their spirit. And I just thought that was lovely and profound and, and not necessarily something we're hearing all the time in these interviews. Yeah, that's true. What leader couldn't benefit from a dose of empathy and imagination, right? Yeah, exactly. Thanks for bringing us this interview, Pierre Carlo. You're welcome. So if you'd like to read a longer version of this interview, you can visit us at uncsa.edu slash artist as leader. Also, please be sure to leave us your thoughts or ideas on our Facebook page, uh, which is Keenan Institute for the Arts, and let us know if there's any other artist leaders that you think would be great subjects for an episode. This podcast is produced by me, Pierre Carlo Talenti. Pierre Carlo Talenti. <laughs> the theme music is by the Dimes, and I'm Pierre Carlo. You are, and I'm Rob Kramer. Thanks so much for listening.